Hey everybody, how are we doing today? Welcome to Jesus in Java, the new podcast. We are very excited to be doing this. Um, it was really cool, i got to be honest, to see a podcast that I decided to create come up on iTunes, even though I know that's pretty standard. Um, but thank you for joining us. It is Friday, January the 10th. This is Jesus in Java, hosted by J.L. Sisson. Um, thank you for being here again. If you please wouldn't mind um, subscribing to the podcast and then also liking the podcast, giving us a few stars, um, tell your friends about it. We've got, if basically what you want to search for is one whole word, which is Jesus and Java Beach, and they'll be able to find it. Um, but I'm really excited about doing this and, and hopefully it's, it's helpful to everybody. Hopefully it helps you uh, grow in your faith. Hopefully it helps you to ask a few more questions, learn a few things, and uh, ultimately um, hear the gospel during the week, um, which is something we ought to be doing. So let's dive right in. We've been talking over the last few weeks about this new book that we've, we've been reading called Taking God at His Word, Taking God at His Word. Um, the book's by Kevin DeYoung. Kevin DeYoung uh, is a pastor up in East Lansing, Michigan, uh, which all you basketball people know, it's Tom Izzo world up there, uh, Michigan State. And there's a chapter in here that I just, I found very interesting. Um, it's chapter four. It's called God's Word is Clear. Um, he starts off the chapter by looking at Deuteronomy 30, verses 11 through 14. And the end of that verse, Deuteronomy 30, 11 through 14, God's Word says, and hear God's Word, it says, But the Word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. And that reminded me of what James says about being a Christian. Uh, we're not just hearers of the Word. We're doers of the Word. Um, it also made me think about how the Word is enough to tell us exactly what we ought to be doing. Um, but the main thing I wanted to discuss today was the different ways the church, universal, interprets what it means when it says we are able to do the word. So hear what the... Westminster Confession of Faith says. Westminster Confession of Faith says that all Scripture, okay, all things in Scripture are not like, are not alike plain in themselves, nor alike clear unto all. Yet those things which are necessary to be known, believed, and observed for salvation, those things are so clearly propounded and opened in some place of scripture or other, that not only the learned, but the unlearned, in a due sense of ordinary means, may attain unto a sufficient understanding of them. So basically, that's a fancy way of saying that God's word is given to everyone. And if you pursue God and pursue his word, you can know salvation. You don't have to be a priest. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't even have to be able to read, I would go as far to say. 
if you are able to listen to the word of God proclaimed, you can respond and God calls you to respond. So, a couple of things that the young points out. He does point out that there are parts of scripture that are clearer than others, according to the Westminster Confession of Faith. Not every single passage has a simple meaning, of course. But the main things that we need to know in the Bible, the main things are the plain things. And they can be clearly seen and they can be clearly understood. The most, de Young says, the most essential doctrines are not equally clear in every passage, but they're made clear somewhere in Scripture. Okay? But what is necessary for our salvation can be understood by the uneducated, provided that they make use of the ordinary means of study and learning. So you don't have to have a college degree to know Jesus. You don't have to have a college degree to teach others about Jesus. That's pretty awesome. The most important points of Scripture may not be understood perfectly, but they can be understood sufficiently. I'll be the first to tell you, there's plenty of Scripture that I still haven't read and and working on reading. There's also plenty of Scripture that I have read that I don't understand. For example, go read Ephesians 5. Try to figure that one out. I mean, read Ephesians 1. That is a dense chapter. Romans 1. The entire book of Romans. Um, There's things going on in some of the New Testament epistles that I don't quite get. Oh yeah, by the way, there's this book called Revelation. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, Good luck figuring all of that out. Okay? So don't get discouraged if you don't understand a passage in the Bible. God says he has made plain the things that you need to know unto salvation. All right? And that brings me to my next point, which I want to talk about, because there are some objections to that very statement, that God's made plain the things that we need to know. Okay? And DeYoung discusses a couple of these. One of them is what's called the mystical objection. Okay? That God is so transcendent that he can't be talked about meaningfully with words. Okay? So this is sort of... This is sort of saying, you know... We don't really have any say in being able to... specifically describe God because he's so transcendent that we've got no way to do that. It's just impossible. It's never going to happen. We can't sufficiently know the character of God or be able to describe that to somebody because he's too transcendent. Okay, that's called the mystical objection. And this is the part that might get a little dicey. Now, let me preface it by telling each and every one of you that is listening to this that I know and believe that the Catholic Church is a true church, okay? I've got nothing against anybody who claims to be Catholic, all right? But I also understand, based on history, that the Catholic Church is a true church with significant error 
and DeYoung addresses some of the error right here in this part. Okay, so I am a Protestant. Obviously, Protestants and Catholics disagree on quite a few things. But historically, we have held to a similar understanding of the inspiration of Scripture and the inerrancy of Scripture. But we have differed when it comes to the the attributes of Scripture. So, for example, most Catholics would argue that Scripture is not clear in itself and it needs to be interpreted. Okay? Or they would say there's some parts of it that are incomplete. Okay? And it has to, because it's incomplete, it has to be explained um, by traditions. Okay? So, basically, what the Catholics typically believe is that we misunderstand the scriptures on our own and therefore we need somebody or someone to offer some sort of authoritative interpretation that becomes binding okay and in the catholic faith that has that um, responsibility has been given to the pope now the Protestants don't agree with that, and I'm I'm one of those. Um, we believe that all Scripture can be can be known, uh, just like the Westminster Confession of Faith says. We believe that even the unlearned can know what it takes to be saved based on what God's Word says. You know, draw near to God, for He is not He is not far from any of us. Um, when you draw near to God, He will draw near to you. Those are both New Testament statements. They echo the Old Testament statement that we started with today in in um, Deuteronomy, which says, "The word is near to you. It's not, or the word is near to you. It's in your mouth and in your heart, so that you can do it." Okay, so. Please recognize the differences. You've got the plural, I'm sorry, you've got the mysticism objection to the Westminster Confession of Faith, which is God is too transcendent for us to be able to describe. You have the Catholic objection, which is we misinterpret Scripture, therefore we need someone or something to tell us exactly what it means, therefore the Pope can tell us that, okay, or tradition can tell us that. And then the last objection is what DeYoung calls the pluralism objection. The pluralism objection basically says we're in this sort of interpretive predicament. We have all these different denominations. We have all these different types of theology. Um, so people claim that they, they know what the Bible means but they'll make some sort of suggestion like, well, how do they know what the Bible means if they use the Bible in the past to justify, to justify the Crusades or justify slavery, okay? Um, the argument ends up, in the pluralist argument, ends up not being whether the interpretation's right or wrong. It, it more ends up being, or it more questions the very idea as if, if the interpretation is right or wrong. 
not if it ends up being right or wrong, but it questions how did they get to that interpretation and use it for whatever they decided. Okay, so I just thought it was interesting, that chapter, um, you know, because he he's quick to point out that God's word is clear, and that's what we can't forget. It's the title of the chapter. Okay, God's word is clear. We talked a couple of weeks ago on the podcast about how God's word is inerrant, it's perfect, and his statutes are never going to come to an end. Remember Psalm 119. Okay, so when you look at Psalm 119 and then you look at all these objections to the basic reading of the text, you start to scratch your head and go, why are there certain objections? Well, the answer essentially is we live in a fallen creation and we all violate the first commandment, which is to put ourselves before God. God says, you shall have no other gods before me. But the first thing that we usually do is make ourselves God. So, you know, certain man-made entities have decided that instead of reading the Bible for what it is, sola scriptura, instead of taking God at his word to steal Jung's title, we have decided to interpret the Bible the way that we see fit to the ends that we want them to, to take. And usually that ends up being, um, usually it ends up becoming very corrupt very quickly. So I just want to caution everybody when you start thinking about the fact that God's word is clear. Um, don't approach it with a bias that you've been conditioned to believe. Go at it with a, with a mind that is accepting of the fact that the Bible is God's word not up for discussion. It's just his word. He is the creator. He's given us his word. The reason he's given us his word is so that we might know how to love and serve him and glorify him and so that we might find in his word the redemptive plan for all of humanity, which began with creation next thing you had was the fall separation the next thing that came right there in Genesis 3:15 God says it turning point he talks about Jesus the first prophecy of how he his plan to fix sin bridge the gap between himself and sinful humanity which is his son and that's the point of this podcast that's the point of this book that we're reading that's why we read scripture is because it sheds more and more and more light on the person of Christ, the character of God, the predicament that we are in as sinful humanity, and the only way back to God. There are not multiple paths to God. Don't let anybody tell you any different. There's one way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody shall come to the Father but by me. So, as we close today, just again, want to thank you for listening. want to thank you for your time. Um, I'll always end with gospel presentation, which is there's two things that we must do in response to the good news about Jesus Christ. The first one is turn and repent of our sins, which is genuinely admitting to God that we are sinners, that we've broken his laws, and that we're sorry. 
and we ask God for forgiveness and we turn from our sin and go in a different direction. We run towards Christ. So repentance is first. Second is we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. We understand and live out the message that we can do nothing to save ourselves, but it's by grace that we've been saved through faith and it's not of anything we've done on our own. But it's by God's mercy and His grace that He has sacrificed His Son Jesus so that we could be brought into the kingdom. So you trust in Christ, as Ray Comfort often says, like you would trust in a parachute. You're not going to jump out of an airplane with a parachute in your hands. You're going to jump out of an airplane with a parachute on your back. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent, trust in Christ, and you will be saved, friend. And then, after that, just wait and see what Jesus is going to do with you. It'll be amazing. Once you're saved, I would encourage you to read your Bible every day. Uh, If you're not saved yet, and you're interested in being saved or what it takes to be saved or want to talk about any of this stuff, please shoot me a direct message. Um, you can email me at virginiabeachva3 at anytimefitness.com and we'll have our website up and running soon. Um, again, this has been Jesus in Java. Hope you guys have a great weekend. And I think what we're going to try to do is podcast at least twice a week. Um, remember, when you go search... Search Jesus and Java Beach, one word, and you should find the podcast. Give us a rating, uh, give us a review, and have an awesome weekend. Enjoy some football. God bless you, and may the grace and peace of Jesus Christ be with you always. Thanks, guys. See you later.